Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Yo, who they nation? What's good, bro? Sorry I could not be there in the live stream, but your boy is on vacation. But y'all already know what's up. Bengals fan, we never rest. We always own it. No, I had to come here and put my two cents on this. Team Chase or Team Sewell? Now, I've been all over the place with this. Originally, I was a Kyle Pitts guy. You know what I'm saying? But I have since come around. So I'm, fish, I'm officially a member of Team Jamar Chase. I'm Team Chase all day. And the, the reason it is simple, um, the draft is rich with linemen. Now, my original reason that I was going with Sewell is obviously we need to continue to bolster the offensive line. But... I did not trust the Bengals to do the right thing in the second and third round. Like, they're going to have to, they scouting going to have to be on point, right? And they're going to have to go in this second, this third round and draft the, the best quality guys. Like, I know there will be guys there, but are they going to pick the right dude? So I've been back and forth because of that. And I've decided, look, bro, we're going to go for the juggler. High risk, high reward. Take Jamar Chase. I think that's a, that's like as close to a surefire pick as you can get. Um, AJ Lee's. We bring in another SEC A1 receiver right at the bat. Just throw in the fact that he's easily the best receiver in the draft, and that he already played won a national championship with Joe Burrow. So you know it become a no brainer as you kind of continue to stack on. Come back in the second round. Uh, the best line. I mean, best tackle or the best guard, whoever bolster that maybe dip back again in the third round depending on who's there and we can really make some things happen like that so i'm team chase shout out to everybody man shout out to who nation i'm a league i like my boy ace who they all day every day especially on sunday peace welcome to the orange is a new black podcast i'm your host ace boogie joined by my co-host zim zim say what's up hello world we are here civil war Part two, this is the moment that all of the Bengals nation has been waiting for as we come to the end of this. This is a great run. I don't even know how to put it. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of people that really care about who the Bengals draft. At the end of the day, there is a lot of good options on the board. But I think Bengals nation has narrowed it down to two finalists, and that will be Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase. I represent Team Chase. And Ace, you represent who? What's that guy's name? Team Sewell. You already I'm, know. I almost forgot his name, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the disrespect. What we're, <laughs> we're going to do is get right into it, and we want to um, just jump right into this. And I think, I think, Coach, since you just had some really, really good news, congratulations on the on the news. I want to start you off as a member of Team Sewell. As we talk offline just now, a proud member of Team Sewell. Um, congratulations. Tell everybody how you're doing tonight. And then you could get right into why you think the Bengals would be better off drafting Team Sewell. I mean, drafting Renee Sewell over Jamar Chase. Okay, I'm glad you got his name right because I know you're a fan, <laughs> first of all. Uh, I am excited because I'm now part of the Tennessee State University Tigers uh, Go Blue. With Eddie George, very excited to assist him and help the staff become all we can become and, and go win football games. Now on to the Bengals and Panay Sewell, as you said. Listen, when you get the Bengals, where are the struggles at right now? It is in the offensive line. When I was last in Cincinnati, we had a very dominant offensive line. Andrew Whitworth, just to name one. Andre Smith. You're talking about some book and tackles, okay? The guards 
Who were they? Anybody know? Clint Bowling. Go ahead. Bowling <laughs> Give me another one. Kevin Bowling, Kevin Zeitler, some dogs, for real. Yeah. Some real guys that knew how to hunt. Now, when I think of the Cincinnati Bengals line right now, <laughs> can you name any of those players? Them said he couldn't. He couldn't think of names. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> when I think of them, um, it's hard. You know, I'm just being honest. But if you add the nation to this group, you now are starting to have an offensive line that can protect the number one franchise player, in, in my opinion, in all of football. His name is Joe Burrow. So we want to keep Joe Burrow standing. Now, I understand we throw to these pretty guys on the outside. We already have some of those guys. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I mean, they, they got some guys, but we, we don't have anybody we talk about that can protect so those guys can catch the ball. So I'm Nesu all the way. We've heard that before. A lot of scare tactics. He wasn't there. even using a scare tactic there. He was just using facts. He was saying Joe Burrow got sacked a bunch of times, and it's a, it's a fear tactic now. It's, it's a, it's it wasn't that he got sacked a bunch of times. He got hurt. Right, right. Um, okay, so with that said, I, let me rephrase that. The beginning of the scare tactics to talk about guys that maybe we aren't, we don't know about a hundred percent, or maybe they aren't Whitworth level. I get it. We some of us want uh, Hall of Famers, all five. I guess I'm not sure, but I'm gonna kick this right off to my man Matt Minnick, who is is now a, t- a member of Team Chase. Because early on, I, if I remember correctly. I think you were a little bit in between, but now that we are in, what is this, April 13th or something like that? Today, talk to them, or how would you or how would you respond to you? That works. I would, you, they flipped you like that? They flipped. Yeah, how does that happen? I've gone back and forth, and, and, and look, I mean, like, like Sewell is very, he did some very exciting things. Um, and you watch that, that film, and look, the idea of pairing Sewell with Jonah Williams, whoever you want on the right, whoever you want on the left, you know, like two just athletic guys like that, you know, athletic freaks like that that can move around. Um, I mean, there's definitely a huge advantage to that. Um, but at the same time, I just look at – I look at Jamar Chase, and you look at number one, and, and Evan can back me up with some numbers on this, I'm sure, but like what is Joe Burrow really good at? You know, like like throwing those back shoulder balls, he's like one of the best in the league at, at, at those passes. And Jamar Chase is incredible at making those catches. So you're you're pairing strength to strength, and like just about the fit between those two players, like which which is to me has nothing to do with the fact that they spent some time together at LSU. You know, it, it's just that they're good. You know, their strengths line up with each other, so they're a great fit for each other, and. I think, you know, Chase has very underrated speed, in, in my opinion. Like, we, we act like he's not fast, but he gives that that uh, component to the offense as well that, that they're looking for, that they need. I, look, I, I, look the, the old line needs to be addressed. Um, obviously, you know, that, that, that is a huge priority. That, that, that's something that needs to be taken care of in a major way. But I just think that the, the fit for Chase is so incredible. Um, it, it's just such a perfect fit for, for what they do and for how Burrow – what Burrow does best that I, I think you got to go for it. Hugh, I think the last time the line was good when was when you were here, wasn't it? This has been a reoccurring yeah. issue, I think, for this, this line. It's just been every offseason since you were here that they've just had a bad line. I think it was the last time they had three good receivers too. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to leave this to Elise because I know he's from the Knox this dead. Yeah, I, I about to say, Elise, how would you respond to Matt, you know, talking about the fit for Jamar Chase and, you know, talk to the people about why are you so heavy on Team Soil? Because you had some choice words for me. <laughs> I know you and I go back and forth in the DMs and Instagram. 
Listen, Jamar Chase, he's magical. Um, he's really fun to watch. He and Joe already have that connection. He's talked to the Bengals multiple times, so I know the Bengals have interest in him. Um, but to me, it sounds like Matt likes a sure thing. Chase is a sure thing. Sewell is a little bit more of a risk. I'm a little bit more of a risk taker, so I'm a little bit more with um, Penny Sewell. Um, but I think there's a wild card to this situation, and that wild card is Frank Pollock. Frank Pollock is completely different as an offensive line coach from Jim Turner. And I think that we're going to see a lot of positive change within the current group that already exists. Jonah Williams begging to be coached the last two years. Didn't get it. Multiple guys were basically playing musical chairs. And Hugh, I'm sure that you remember this, but Whitworth, Zeitler, Bowling, Bodine, they, you know, Andre, they used to like their lockers were right next to each other. They yes. ate together in the same exact form where they would line up on the field. That's how they did everything. That's how they would sit. That's how they would be at parties. You would see them at someone's house and that's how they would look. And with musical chairs, I think it would be really difficult for these guys to adequately adjust, especially in games. If you're, you know, practicing guard all week and then suddenly you get thrown into the left tackle position, it's going to be in a, a huge adjustment. So that's something that I look at. I know the run game is going to improve under Frank Pollock. He's the biggest wild card for me. Penny Sewell, obviously we've been talking about upgrading the Bengals offensive line for a number of years. It seems like they've had trouble replacing um, a guy like Andrew Whitworth and a guy like Kevin Zeitler. Kevin or uh, bowling retiring was a huge blow to Zach Taylor in 2019. Um, <laughs> so I think they just need a massive upgrade. We've been talking about this for so long. I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired of talking about the offensive line. I'm also tired of watching the Bengals lose. I'm tired of watching Joe Burrow on his back game after game. I'm tired of watching them turn one dimensional. I'm tired of them not committing to the run. I think if they protect Joe Burrow, protect the franchise, we'll see fireworks go off in Cincinnati. Yeah, that was a great point, at least. And I think Kevin Zeitler has almost been on every AFC North team since the Bengals have had a good offensive line. <laughs> that's how, the that's AFC how long AFC North recognizes how good he is, and they're like, yep, come that's on right. over here. Protect my quarterback. <laughs> in Elise's point, though, she did say Frank Pollock is there. And I think there's something He's a wild card. with it. But I believe that he will help out a lot of those guys play to a different level that they weren't playing to before. Also, you said that Panay is probably more of a wild card than a short thing with Jamar Chase. I think if you're tired of losing, you need more of a short thing. I mean, but you also have a sure thing with a connection between Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd, and you also see how good T. Higgins is. Uh, those are two sure things, and he's gonna—he's not going to have a problem throwing to either one or connecting with either one of those guys. And I would like to see him, you know, have a clean pocket every once in a while. That would be nice. Man, I'm mad Evan just fell off because I was going to ask him, who's more of a sure thing in this draft at offensive line other than Panay Sewell? I don't think that there's anybody. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's PFF's number one rated lineman in the history. And I, I think also, uh, no, no, I'm not mistaken, for, I think he's also. Okay. Wait forever. Wait. Hold on. Wait. While Evan's Evan loading up. So if you guys are living under a rock and you just don't know what's going on, Evan is a big, big part of what Pro Football Focus does. So now the kind of where he's got to be finding it up and he's trying to talk about what's a short thing. And I'm not sure if Evan is there because he looks frozen on the screen. But <laughs> Evan, can you hear me? Can you hear me? So I said, I, I heard people saying that Panay so isn't a sure thing, but I'm pretty sure PFF considers him a sure thing because he was one of the greatest linemen that you guys have ever graded in the history of PFF. And if I'm not mistaken, you also have him rated higher than Jamar Chase. So technically, he's the best player available, is he not? Is Evan there? All right, we'll come back Frozen. to Evan. All I right. swear his well, eyes just moved. Just to clarify, I said he's a riskier pick. <laughs> but but he is a he's not a sure thing. He's a little bit more of a another guy. wild card in the situation too now that just kind of happened today. We all do recognize that the Brownies just signed another pass, right? Yep. And another one. The guy on the other side of Mount. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. They, they got better. 
be able to protect or else it could be detrimental to everything they're trying to do. So, again, chase about them guys. I don't care how fast he is. You you can put the most innovative. You can put no DBs there. And say drop back and throw. You know I was waiting. It might be dragging him down so as he put his foot in the ground. Coach, I was waiting waiting for that moment right there. Before I let you say something, Andre, the most creative, innovative offensive mind that I know personally, like that I know, is Mr. Hugh Jackson, right? If I have Jamar Chase, I have Tyler Boyd, I have T. Higgins, and I have you spread out in different type of formations that you like to run, I'm going to dictate a lot of different coverages. I'm going to dictate a lot of different things that I'm not trying to go mano a mano with Clowney or anything like that. I'm going to take them out of their comfort zone. I'm going to run a lot of different things that they're not going to be able to keep up with that. If I'm spreading you out, I'm going to make you hesitate on a lot of different things that you want to do, Mr. Clowney or Mr. Garrett. I love your point. But I had all of that with Andrew Whitworth, and Andre Smith, <laughs> and Zeitler, and Clint Bowling. Those guys were the key to it all. I'm being very honest with you. Without those guys, I, could, I couldn't do what I do. So I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And you can only as creative as your players are. So I'm just concerned when we get ready to take this franchise quarterback, who I think is one of the best players in the National Football League, and putting behind a line, and, and Pollock is phenomenal, but he's only as good as the players he has. And he'll right. make some guy better, but he has some real talent. Got to have talent in the National Football League coach that have a chance to be good. So there are there is some talent there, but boy, they can really upgrade it by taking a very good offensive lineman and really make it. If I'm Jabril, I'm standing in. I'm kicking down the door. I'm sending messages, emails, everything. I need an offensive lineman. <laughs> so, Hugh, you also knew about Miles Garrett as well. So, you know, if you have to take somebody to tangle with that man, can you just throw any old guy at 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 him? You just want to throw whoever at him? Oh no, you cannot do that. You most certainly can't do that. You're not going to throw any old guy at Jadavion Clowney either. You can't do that. <laughs> Coach, let me ask you this, though. So, with the offensive line, and, and this is something actually, like Daniel Jeremiah earlier today tweeted out something about uh, how how defenses will focus on the weakest part of the offensive line. I actually think in Cleveland, Joe Woods does a great job. Um, you know, the, the people, the other people on this podcast will remember, he was the guy that I wanted for the Bengals off, uh, defensive coordinator when that job was open. Uh, I think he does a great job, did a great job of moving around Miles Garrett last year, creating matchups for him. Last year, the Bengals, we, we all talk about Bobby Hart, but they have more problems in the interior of the line. So, you know, Penny Sewell is like maybe one quarter of fixing that problem. Uh, you, you know, like, so how much of an impact does, does one guy really have versus, hey, hey, we go chase and then, you know, two and three, we're going we're gonna to get some good line talent. We're going to get an attack on the second. We're, we're going to develop Hakeem Adeniji, Fred Johnson, those guys. You know, how much how much of an impact does one guy make in that situation? I think if it's the right guy, it makes a lot of impact because you want a guy that can shut down Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney that regardless of what side you play on, you got to have book and tackles that can handle that rush. The inside part, I totally agree with you. That's a mess, too. I mean, that's and that's the closest way to the quarterback. It's a mess, mess. So I don't disagree with you, but you got to start stacking because you got premium draft capital, right? So you got to take this capital and you got to get the right one. And you have to make sure that Joe Burrow is standing because he's shown, regardless of who's playing receiver, he's going to hit hands. He's going to give guys a chance to make catch on the ball. So I'm going to do everything I can to fix this offensive line. The Bengals have been really They had a really good offensive line. And to me, just look at the history of the organization. It normally been great defensive backs and offensive line. Okay? And obviously receivers. That it kind of worked off that particular flow. But right now, they've kind of gotten away from that. I think they're starting to get the defensive backs back to where they used to be. But they got to fix this offensive line. you got to fix it fast. And just just a disclaimer, 
Team Sewell is not against just saying draft Panay Sewell and we're done with the line. We're definitely I, – I know me personally, I'm still looking for more. I'm still looking for way more. I might need another guard. Even if they play Sewell like guard, I still need another guard in my opinion. Talk for Mace. Go ahead, Zim. You on mute. You on mute, bro. Okay, hold on. There okay. You yeah, you had me muted. You <laughs> was trying to mute me. That's the thing that me. All right, listen. One thing that I want to make very, very clear, and th- I don't know, I can't speak for all, all right. the other members for Team Chase, is that I want to be able to draft multiple right, offensive yeah, no, linemen because of all of the different holes in these different spots. So that's the reason why I think it's just a big issue where everyone's talking about they got to fix the line. Yeah, we want to fix the line, but we want to go and get the elite talent and don't pass up on the possible A.J. Green right there in your face. AJ, A.J. Green, level talent that you all said was a great fit, right? So you do that, but you come back because of the draft pool is so heavy with interior linemen, as you just you, you just pointed out, is very heavy with those um, with the interior linemen. So we're trying to come back in rounds two and probably three or four, but two linemen come back right after that. Because one of the things that I think Matt was kind of posing the question to you is that just because you have Panay Sewell, that doesn't fix all of these holes because you just made a point, Coach, that there are several holes. And one guy can't fix all of that is the one thing that I think most people that I know that want us to drive Jamar Chase kind of, kind of, kind of believe. But we, do, uh, but we do agree that Jamar Chase doesn't fix that hole. <laughs> and, no, the, and the right. thing is, you can, can, he, doesn't, he doesn't fix and, that hole. Right? Hugh, do you think Jamar Chase is A.J. Green? No. Okay. okay. I, I just was checking. Let, let, let me – let, let's get Andre Parada. I, I'm sorry. You've been very, very patient. Please allow yourself to say – state your case for Team Chase. Great. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here, especially with Coach Jackson. Coach Jackson, congrats on the position. Joining uh, Eddie George's staff. It's an honor to be here with Elise as well. I followed you. And, of course, Ace and Sin, thanks for having me back on again. I've been on Matt's podcast. I know Evan, of course. So thanks for having me on. Um, one thing I, I think we want to discuss, it's missing, is, is obviously we're talking about what the Bengals need. In the first round, and, and when you approach any draft, Coach, you would know this. You sat on draft in draft rooms. When you're picking at five, you want to get you, – you're not drafting for need. You want to get the best player available. Obviously, at a position of, of need, you're not going to draft a quarterback if he's the best position. Of course, we ha- they, they have that. But you want to draft the best position available, the best talent, a blue-chip talent. You heard comments from Duke Tobin saying he's probably not going to trade down because he doesn't want to lose out on that blue-chip prospect. And so, to me, the analysis is – if we're just assuming no trade down and we take Kyle Pitts out of the equation, which I do like Kyle Pitts, I think he's going to be a phenomenal NFL player. I think he's one of the safest prospects to come out in a long time, um, even including the positional value of tight end or lack of value. But if we just analyze these two prospects, uh, you look at factors that would tend to, to, to say that this person has the possibility to, to really succeed at the next level. And, for both players, I want to be honest, both both players check a lot of boxes. I mean, you can't go wrong with either Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell. Any pick would be a good pick. The question to me is, what is the best pick? What is the best course of action to take that aligns with getting a blue chip talent at five, but also aligns with the value in the rest of the draft class? And fortunately for the Bengals, the way they've attacked uh, or approached free agency I think they should have done more in the offensive line in the in the offseason in free agency. I was on the make Joe Tooney the highest paid guard in the NFL. I tweeted out his proposed contract. I think he would have get, given serious consideration to the contract proposal I tweeted out, uh, which was much more substantial, I think, than what the Bengals ended up offering, although we don't know the exact terms. So I'm a proponent of fixing the offensive line. The offensive line is incredibly important, but it's a unit, right? The issue is, is one player like – no matter how talented Penny Sewell is, and he's immensely talented, and he wouldn't be a bad pick. But would picking Penny Sewell solve all the offensive line offensive line problems? The answer to me is no. And even then, if you come back to Ace's point and other points made by members of Team Sewell, that we can double dip in the offensive line. Well, of course, that's fine. And the reality is, where the value of this draft class hits, the value is likely going to hit at pick 38 again. 
So now you double dip the offensive line. You've solved that problem. Now let's assume for the sake of argument, you get a player like an Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, who's projected to go late first round, maybe early second. You've now, to me, fixed the offensive line. You've added Penny Sewell. You've added Alex Leatherwood. You get all that. That, that. That's fine. But to me, you're missing out on adding a potential elite receiving option in the NFL, a player who directly affects the passing game on every down. And the way the NFL is moving, and TJ, I'm glad TJ jumped on. He knows this. Um, the way the NFL yeah, is wrong. moving, it's – it's, it's a passing league. Yeah. It, 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 let me finish my point here. It, it's a passing league, right? So I want the player, that di- the elite prospect, that directly affects the passing game. And that is a player like Jamar Chase. Coach Jackson, you mentioned in 20 it, it, with the, all the prominent Bengals O-lines, and that's certainly true. I mean, you had Big right. Witt, who was a second-round pick, by the way, yeah. Andre Smith. And I, I want to bring everybody's that. attention because people may not realize this. Huh? Prior to the 2011 draft, Andre Smith was on the bust path. 2009 and 2010 were rough seasons for Andre. And 2011, need I remind everybody, Carson Palmer retired. He threatened retirement. He, he quit. Okay? He, he, he walked out of the Bengals. The Bengals, at that point, going into the 2011 draft, did not have the most important player at the most important position. They did not have a quarterback. So if you remember that 2011 draft, what could the Bengals have done? If they're approaching it just on what I hear from the team, Sewell is we need to project Joe Burrow. We don't want his knee shredded, as if anybody wants Joe Burrow's knees to be shredded. And again, I can go back to the value of where this the class of this off, of, of this draft class, there's going to be value at pick 38. Since Andre Smith's draft class of 09, I'll go back to the point I was making about the 2011 draft at A.J. Green. But since Andre Smith's draft class of 2009, there have only been seven. There's been one time where there have been more than there have been at least seven offensive tackles picked by uh, pick 38 where the Bengals picked. And that was in 2019. There were seven offensive tackles picked. I count at least 10 offensive tackles that I would be more than comfortable with at pick 38, assuming, let's say, that they hit the high water mark again and there are seven offensive tackles taken by pick 38 or pick 37 when the Bengals go on the clock for 38. The bottom three offensive offensive tackles that I'm talking about are in no order, but like a Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, a Dylan Randuce from North Carolina State, and maybe like a Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, who maybe projects, projects more towards guard because he didn't test that well at Michigan's pro day. But I'd be fine with any of those. And that's not even mentioning any of the stud interior offensive linemen that are likely going to be there at 38. A Landon Dickerson, a Creed Humphrey, potentially a Wyatt Davis, although Wyatt Davis, I think, his value hits more in the third round. But I want to tie it back into 2011 because what, what Coach Jackson said, which is very important, the Bengals historically, you can go back to the 88 season with Munoz and Montoya. You go back to the 05 season with, you know, Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl, but we would have beat Pittsburgh in that game. I'm not saying the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl, but the Bengals beat Pittsburgh if Carson Palmer's knee doesn't get shredded. Those teams had great offensive lines. They also had great receiving weapons. So to me, the issue is both are important. Both are high value, incredibly valuable positions. There is some research at PFF and it's it's nascent stages. Although the early data is showing, though, when it's a one-on-one issue, when it's one elite game-breaking receiver, back in Chad, uh, Chad Johnson, back in his day when he was playing with TJ, or Jamar Chase potentially, that value is is higher than one elite offensive lineman because again the offensive line works in a unit and to me when you marry that with the strength of this draft class which luckily for the Bengals happens to be offensive line i think you get the best value by adding the elite receiving target who checks all the boxes right the kid was 19 years old in that national championship game he abused a guy by the name of aj terrell A.J. Terrell was a 16th overall pick in last year's draft. A.J. Terrell had a decent rookie year. He had a very good rookie year, and he projects to have a very good career. He abused a top 10 pick, C.J. Henderson. Abuse may be a strong word, but he had a great game against C.J. Henderson, a cornerback from Florida who went pick number nine. He also also had a great game, I I think it was, against Trayvon Diggs in the Alabama game. Diggs was a second-round pick, but Diggs had a good rookie season for Dallas. He did struggle a little bit against Cameron Dantzler. Maybe his length gave him a little bit of issue, but... Okay, he's 19 years old. He struggled a little bit against one guy. But Jamar Chase checks every box. There is nothing that Jamar Chase is not good at from a physical standpoint, from a production standpoint, from a production standpoint in the best, and essentially the AAA of the NFL. Let's just be honest. This SEC is the AAA of the NFL. Jamar Chase was a dominant player. And then you have the the Burrow connection, which to me is not the determinative factor, but it is nice icing on the cake that they've actually shown that. 
Like when the Bengals scouted every pass of Joe Burrow, they saw every reception of Jamar Chase. So the, the scouting report was, was – they have it right here. They've seen the production. And so what I guess I'll say is – the final point, I apologize for going on longer than needed. I think the way the class works out – like Lola. The, the best the best course of action here would be to get that elite receiving option and then to come back in 38, potentially then at 69 in the third round, and load up on your offensive line. As everybody's identified, the real weakness with the Bengals' offensive line had been the poorest uh, guard play, the interior line. They did sign Riley Reef. Riley Reef uh, is a good player. He's advanced in age, but I think he can give you a year, possibly even more on a smaller extension. So he can, he can be a viable option. Joe Williams, I think, has all the makings to be a good left tackle. And by the way, Miles Garrett, you know, went around Joe Bur- uh, Jonah Williams for a monster sack last year. It was in the home game against Cincinnati. He caused a fumble on the play. Actually, Jonah Williams went back and tried to recover the fumble and then fumbled again. But even so, the point is, even a good young left tackle like Jonah Williams is going to struggle against Miles My- Garrett. Everybody will struggle against Miles My- Garrett. I think when you have the ability to add a game-breaking receiver, the way the NFL is moving, granted, everybody's talked about how physical Jamar Chase is, right? He's, he's at the catch point, let me let me let me cut you off right there, Andre. You brought up a really good point about a game-breaking wide receiver. Great, right? And that's what I want everybody to understand the impact of that. I think no one that I could think of probably would know about game-breaking wide receivers more than TJ Ushmanzada. TJ, are you there? I know you were walking back. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I wanted to make make sure, too, and Andre, I thank you for all those great points. I wanted to make sure that you were not driving and trying to come to the Civil War Part 2 at the same time. So that's very important. Yeah, I was driving. My daughter daughter just decided she wants to play softball a couple months ago, so this is her second practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but... How you doing doing uh, this afternoon? I'm chilling, man. I'm good. How y'all? Good. 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 Come on, man. Oh, doing great, great now. I, 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 <laughs> hey, Hugh. Hey, Hugh. By the way, congrats, my man. Now, thanks, you know, right? Show thanks, them up. Son. You know what you're doing, baby. Um, Absolutely. I get what Andre is saying, and I'm a receiver, so I want to draft a receiver. But I'm a football guy. I understand the game of football, and so he brought up how me, Chad, and Chris Henry. We were successful. But what you need to bring up is none of us were drafted in the first round. Chad was drafted in the second round. I basically was a And Chris Henry was a third-round pick. And so I'll give you four guys that the Bengals could draft in the second round that – who? 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 Give me those names a second. They're going to be all slot receivers. Give me their names. TJ, give me those names in one second. Let me let me respond to your point about not being first-round picks. If you had a redraft of the 2001 draft. No, 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 no. Let them continue. A redraft does, I mean. Hey, if we could redraft shit, I'd have a lot more money in the bank, too. <laughs> right? You're not a seventh round pick. You're not, you're not a seventh round pick. Actually, I, one of the reasons I love Jamar Chase because he plays the game like you used to play, uh, TJ. He plays like but a see, defensive Jamar, player. Jamar, I don't know who he trained with. I was supposed to train him for the combine, but I wasn't going to Texas, and he didn't want to come to California. But he needs to clean up. He plays very high at the line of scrimmage. Guys get hands on him, and he just overpowers them. He's not going to do that in the league. He has to clean that up. Like, he's talented, but he has flaws that he needs to clean up. Now, I'm going to give you four guys that I like that the Bengals get in the second round. These guys can play. And with John Ross gone, they need speed. They need guys that can stretch the field. Tutu Atwell can do that. He's going to beat anybody one-on-one. Rondell Moore can do that. He's going to beat anybody one-on-one. Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall Jr. Those four guys will be there. One of those four will be there. Terrace Marshall not going to be there. Terrace Marshall not going to be there. Those other guys are projecting. Those other guys are 5'9". Those other guys are 5'9". Why y'all talking? Why y'all talking? When has the first receiver outperformed all the other receivers? Who on this podcast had Justin Jefferson outperforming everybody last year? But Justin Jefferson should show you Nobody. that Jamar Chase is the Nobody. safest pick because Chase was a better prospect than Justin or Jefferson. On the same team with Jefferson. He's a great player. So was C.D. Lamb. So was, so was any receiver that went before Justin Jefferson in that draft. And you can always get good receivers in the second, third, fourth round. We just did it with T. Higgins. You talk about redrafts. They just did a redraft where T. Higgins was picked ninth. 
Guys, and we look, got him in the second round. Let, let me tie in the point of the 2011 draft that I was trying to make when Coach Jackson was Andre Smith, right? The Bengals didn't have a quarterback in 2011 because Carson left the team. And so you could have made the argument, reach for a quarterback. It's the most important position. You need that. The Bengals stuck to their board and picked A.J. Green. You know who else was on the board when the Bengals picked? And because of Andre Smith's struggles his first two years when he looked like a bust? And then Andre went up and had a, had developed into a nice, bright tackle. But Tyron Smith, who was also who was also the last 20-year-old offensive tackle, same conference as Panay Sewell, Tyron Smith who was an all-pro left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, was on the board. He went five picks later to pick nine. But who did the, did Bengals, the Bengals make the wrong pick by selecting A.J. Green over the sure tackle? Nobody would say they did. And A.J. Green was the right pick to make. I think you can make the same analysis and have the same analysis in 2011, literally 10 years later. Where you And then also you marry up the value of this draft. You get the game-breaker like A.J. was. Honestly, Jamar Chase has a higher floor than A.J. A.J. came into league when he was 23. He turned 23 the week before training camp. Jamar Chase just turned 21. TJ, you make a great point. He does, No prospect is, is flawless, right? TJ, you made a great point about, you know, he struggles a little bit off the line, but he also dominated off the line. He was 19 years old. He can get physically stronger. He's also he's, he's, he's strong as an ox. He plays the game, TJ, the way you play. He plays like the way Steve Smith used to play. He plays the game like a defensive player. And you add that to the Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, now you've just increased the level of your offense who's, to a level that you can with Kansas City. All right, Andre. We, we, we let you go, brief. We, we get picked we starting this time. Well, we got to let Joe talk. <laughs> we got to let Joe talk. Hold on. All right, go ahead, TJ. Who was the who were the Bengals receivers in 2011? I, I'm not 100% sure, and I know before before they drafted AJ, who who did they have on the team? Before so they, they had guys like they had Andre Caldwell, Jerome Simpson. Remember they drafted Ryan Whalen that year as and well. That's why you draft AJ Green right there, just because of those names you said. That's why you draft AJ. But AJ was the hottest rated player on their board. It's not like they, they didn't they didn't draft AJ for me. They drafted Andre AJ. Caldwell. When you have Andre Caldwell, Jerome Simpson, and whoever else. You don't have no. You have anyone. You don't have. That's they didn't have a quarterback. Guard right now. They didn't That's have a quarterback. Guard. They didn't have a right tackle. Andre Caldwell. <laughs> AJ, AJ Green <laughs> left. AJ Green left 110 targets off this this previous team that just left. Right. I mean, AJ Green just left the roster. 110 targets. You want to replace them, and you're in the guys that you just brought up. You brought up four guys. One guy nobody on this panel thinks is still going to be there, and Terrence Marshall. So now you're down to three people. One of them was Elijah Moore, who is a complete dog. But he's a slot. No, you you're not. Brought- that's a problem. That's a problem with the NFL. And you will tell you this. Okay. You get a small guy, and because he's small, you put him in a slot. Right. Why? You put his ass on the outside, nobody's touching him. Okay. Really, he didn't play that much. But, but do you think that this staff is going to see it that way? This staff yeah, not going to see it that way? He never arrived that way. This really. is a copycat league. Rondell Moore, Tutu Atwell, and Elijah Moore, you know why they're rated high? It's because of Tyreek Hill. Everybody right. wants that guy you put on the outside and you can't run with. He, they too quick. They're too fast. It's a copycat league. Like, you can get those guys in the second round. The games are won and lost up front, man. They, look, nobody's saying to ignore the offensive line. We're looking at the where the value of this draft hits, and the value hits clearly in the second round. Because if you do take Penny Sewell, then the likelihood of the best player available at 38 is probably going to be another offensive lineman. Great, we fixed the offensive line. You know who's had the best offensive line prior to all their injuries recently? The Dallas Cowboys. You know what they realized when they had Dak, when Dak was balling out? We need a weapon. You know what they did? They traded for Amari Cooper, and then they gave him a $100 million contract. And also, I want to mention this. A lot of people took the approach of the Buffalo Bills with their offensive line. What did the Buffalo Bills do? The Buffalo Bills fixed their offensive line. They fixed it with a bunch of no-name guys. Their right tackle is Daryl Williams, who was a fifth-round pick. Their left tackle is Deion Dawkins, who forced Cordy Glenn. And, and, and they have a quarterback a that second. can run. They have a quarterback that can run. You got a quarterback. Hugh, what you think? You the coach up here, baby. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I, 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 I I've say, already knocked it out of the park. <laughs> okay, so Hugh already went. This is one person. TJ, you, you came in a little bit short. Evan McPhillips from Pro Football Focus was trying to get his stuff together. I think I got him ready, and I think I got him locked and loaded because this is what I've been wanting to give you the whole entire time, and I want to give you the real numbers because you're throwing out some fantasy stuff to me, TJ. I'm going to be honest. Like, some of them some of them things, I love Elijah Moore, but the Bengals not drafting Elijah Moore. I know that. Evan McPhillips, please talk to these people. Please. 
All right, so I should have all my issues here worked out. So I'll try and run through this as quickly as I can, and then hopefully we can hit on a couple points and hopefully hit everything that Zim wants us to hit. First thing I wanted to say is that uh, Dalton and Carson both had pretty good lines and got hurt in those same years. That's, you know, I mean, it's, it's there's not a direct correlation that a good old line is going to stop you from getting hurt. There's freak accidents. We know that happens. You do have a couple guys in Boyd and Higgins that are really, really good receivers, but that's two. And that's a slot receiver and it's an outside receiver. And Boyd can definitely has had success in the slot, uh, outside when he has been there. But they do still need a third receiver. They're going four wide, three wide, five wide as much as anybody in the league. They need to have this depth. And as much as I love Auden Tate, he is a talented receiver, especially considering his draft profile and his athleticism that he succeeds in spite of. He is good. But I don't know if I want to rely on him as an outside receiver. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and get into a little bit about Chase, and then we can look at our O-line and wide receiver kind of value and talk about that. So people first say there's a Jamar Chase every year. There, There isn't. There are good wide receivers every year. But this guy's physique, production, and athleticism are unique. His 40-yard dash is in the 98th percentile. His 41-inch vertical is 96. His 13-foot broad jump is 96. And his 398-second short shuttle is 97. This guy is explosive. And we see it on tape. He's gotten even better as an athlete because anyone who watches that that year and then sees him as his athletic numbers goes, wow, this guy got more athletic than what I saw as a 19-year-old on tape. So if he's gotten better as that athlete. You can project that he's probably going to be able to separate more, which we'll get to as one of his issues. A lot of people like to say, oh, he's not – he's barely six foot. Well, there's other wide receivers who succeed at that height. Stephen Diggs, OBJ, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. You don't have to be Mike Evans to win on the outside. You don't have to be six five. DeAndre Hopkins is uh, six two. DeAndre Hopkins is six two. They've got him listed. I, I, I hear that, all right? He, he plays <laughs> Evan, 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 you're killing me with these <laughs> analytics. But, but, you're, yeah. yeah. Hey, Evan. Well, who did, I could have sworn. Oh, man. I could have sworn. What does PFF think about Panay Sewell, though? Because I heard some good they things about Panay Sewell. Oh, there are analysts like Mike Renner is one. Uh, I believe Austin Gale is on the same train. Where Evan, they don't let him take you off your game. Don't, let him, don't go down that Panay Sewell road. He's trying he's to rate it. I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm not saying rate it. Sewell. I'm here to say good things about Jamar Chase. I'll let you guys Don't let him try to pivot you off that. He's rated number two, though, right? Panay Sewell is rated number two. I thought I heard that he's one of the, the best linemen that PFF has ever scouted in their history. He's exceptional. He's an exceptional prospect. But I'll get to that point, too, where – I talked a little bit about how top tackles aren't always the top tackle from that draft that we're looking at, and how often is that coming into play? So um, another thing, Jamar Chase, knock on him, he's not as shifty. Well, he may not be that sudden quick, but he still forces mixed tackles through his strength. He is great at reading leverage in the open field, destroying these tackling angles, and finding ways to pick up extra yards. He actually forced missed tackles at a higher rate than Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, and Elijah Moore. His rate of missed tackles of .252 per attempt ranks in the 93rd percentile among all Power 5 receivers and since 2014. So this guy can create space even if he's not sudden. He can find ways to make tacklers miss, and that makes him very much a threat. Also, obviously, he's a great contested catch receiver. We know he has the body control. He has that little DeAndre Hopkins sudden push-off, little tiny arm off that you need, the little savvy stuff, the variation of his speed and his routes that helps him to get that separation even when he's not quite as sudden as other guys like Jalen Waddle. Looking at the wide receiver, you see these stable metrics that go year to year, right? And some of these most stable, predictive metrics for wide receivers that we found so far are receiving grade, your receiving grade versus single coverage and zone, your separation, your yards per route run, A dot, and largely yak perception, right? So these are some really important indicators that'll tell you they're likely to repeat this year after year, right? And he's excellent at some of the most stable metrics, including a healthy 2.5 yards per route run. So every time he's running a route, he's generating almost three and a half yards for you. That's extremely valuable. He has a 92.4 PFF grade when facing man coverage. He's got 24 deep catches, which is the most we've seen in a single season. And it still ranks first among receivers over the last two seasons when he opted out. He's got an absurd 15 touchdowns coming from that far, which is one drop on 36 deep targets. So One drop. Despite on those deep targets, 36 deep targets of 20 or more yards. So despite not having that traditional explosiveness, he finds ways to get open and he makes the most of all of his opportunities downfield. Now, I mentioned the separation concern, right? He ranks in the 51st percentile in separation among uh, versus single coverage, which is not great. But 
He doesn't need to really create new yards of separation. This is Evan, you are killing me, man. You are get him, Hugh. Get him, Hugh. Evan, all right, all right, Evan, Evan, for one second. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Can he play or can he not play? God damn. I want you to play. You think I can play? Would you run a would you run a four three if you had the stopwatch at your pro day and not the actual stuff? Is that is that a real forty time? I mean, I mean the scouts they're using the hand watch, brother. I mean that's the time they're using. You know, I mean you can speak to that, right? That's that's the time they're using when they look at the drafters, right? Jamar can run. Jamar can run, but I, it really ba- I, I'm a receiver. But if you're if you understand football, games are one up front, man. Like this is baffling me. Games Thanks. are won up front. Trenches. Well, can I talk a little bit about maybe O-line like, and wide receiver? You guys, you guys are talking that? about – Let me. I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Everybody talks about how fast he is. I'm going to give you an analogy that I tell my guys when we train, and y'all going to steal this shit too, so give me credit when you steal it. <laughs> <laughs> if you have the fastest car in the Indy 500 and you crash on a first lap, does it matter how fast you are? Nope. It doesn't matter. If you can't decelerate – and create separation, it doesn't matter how fast you are. PFF, y'all don't do that. I just gave y'all free games. Y'all gonna do and so you have to be able to decelerate. You have to be able to create separation. That's why guys like Troy Williamson, who was 6'2", 210 pounds, ran a 4'3", couldn't play. He couldn't decelerate. You have to be able to decelerate, create separation. I can be as fast as I want, but when it's time to turn left, if I run into the wall, I'm out the race. The one thing I will say is I feel like Evan was making a strong case on why Jamar Chase is on paper, analytically, the correct pick, right? But But more so what I'm looking for is for him to state the case for the pool of offensive linemen that are in the draft that y'all are totally ignoring by just saying, I have to have Panay. I have to have no, that number five. for Rashawn Slater. It could the, be the, the, the same way, the same way, TJ, the same way you just came with the four dudes. You got four dudes? That's it? I got 12 dudes that will start at guard in the second and the third round. But they're all working in the interior. They're not all, all of them are good run blockers. blockers. Not all of them are fast blockers. Not all of them can I'm going to say this again, Zim. Can they block Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney consistently? No. no. We no. Know no. Right no. Here. Can't TJ Wire. All of those dudes can block Miles Garrett. That's what you got to place. Jonah Williams could not block. He struggled with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett ate him for that's lunch it, that first That's game. what Miles it comes Garrett down to. Tackles. You have to look within your division that you're in and figure out what you need to win. Thanks. I understand value. I understand all of that. But if I can't block Miles Garrett and Davian County, I'm not going to win. They're the two best in the division. So 20-year-old... Panay Sewell is just going to come in and just start blocking Cam Haywood on the in, in, on the interior of the line. He, he, he has athleticism, the strength, and the anchor. The size the other right guys don't have. That's, that's, that's what Joe Thomas did. What, what I think is we have to look at what the Bengals have done and haven't done so far, right? Bobby Hart, their turnstile right tackle, is now backing up in Buffalo. They, Riley Reef is a significant upgrade. Yes, he's advanced in age, but he's a, he's your starting right tackle. If, if they draft Penny Sewell, Riley could potentially kick it. Riley, but it's not like but as but as Evan, how bad was Bobby Hart last year? Booted out of the because he was never his best year was worst year. So Bobby Hart had a career year, which was still really unacceptable. It's not passable. You need to replace that. Michael Jordan, who I I still think he can find can carve a nice little career for himself. I'm not giving up on Mike Jordan, but I don't think uh, you should go into the season as you, as a starting left guard. In fact, he's probably not. You, you you're not Andre. Game. You're not going to spell none of these people on the existing linemen. Matt. My point. My the point that I'm trying to make is the Bengals, to a lesser degree, have adopted the Buffalo Bills approach to the fixing the offensive line, which is we're going to add some. The Bengals haven't done it to the extent Buffalo did, but we're going to add some serviceable players, more than serviceable guys who have shown that they've done well. Bring them in, have them compete, have a good uh, offensive line, and then what did Buffalo do? Buffalo traded for Stephon Diggs because they needed the playmakers. All you the need- Bengals nation is disappointed. They took two linemen a few years back that didn't pan out. Thank you. Let's just be honest. Away. He did sure. so everybody's scared. Scared. He didn't have for John Ross, though. That's called evaluation. So everybody's scared about boy. boy That's what the fear line, is. Might not be able to do it. Let me tell you something. It's called. You better understand what you're drafting. 
And that's what this is all about. You got the fifth pick of the draft. You need to go get the best freaking lineman to protect girl. You can say it's not Panay Soul, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Chase ain't going to protect him. I'm just telling you guys. <laughs> he is not a protector. It, at least is that the way you feel? If Joe Burrow yeah. is standing, guys, he has not a – don't have a chance. You guys keep saying, well, we're going to get another lineman. That's why linemen are picked in the first round and other ones are picked right. in the second round. And other ones exactly. are picked in the third round. Because if they're that good, they be picked in the first round. So let's just call it like it is. This guy is up there is the best lineman in draft for a reason. And it's the Bengals haven't had the chance, you like saying, to pick the first best lineman. Cedric O'Boy, he wasn't the first lineman selected. Jake Fisher wasn't – like, that's what you guys want. You want the leftovers. We don't want the leftovers. We want one of those no, top I'm two not, guys. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want, the leftovers. I don't want leftovers. I want the A.J. Green. I want the best receiver. The I, best, I want to be able to get – I want to get the very best thing. If, in life, anything that you can do where you can make yourself an elite at that, at that particular thing, if I have the most elite wide receiver core – and I can take off from day one with that, and then I'm coming back with multiple offensive linemen that had no business being in the same in the in the first place. The same reason that we got T. Higgins is the same reason why I think I can get a Leatherwood, or I can get a Sam Cosby, or I can get a Dylan Raddins. I can get all of these guys that had no business being there in the second round this draft, which I couldn't have said in the year before or the year before that. The the same thing doesn't work for wide receivers in this draft. If you pass on it and then you rely who, who on the best wide who are the best wide receivers in this draft? Who are they? They're all they're all going to be in the first round. They're going to be going. Name, name them all. Name them all. I'm them sorry, all. but what makes you guys think that when they draft a wide receiver that he's going to be utilized correctly? Because A.J. Green was not utilized correctly. At least if you get an offensive lineman, you've got Frank Pollock helping the guys who are already on the line. And then you add another elite offensive lineman who can work with them. I'm not trying to throw a ton of shade, but dang, guys. Like, how do you know he's going to be utilized correctly? You don't know. Not A.J.'s I love AJ. AJ was just a shell of his former self last year. It wasn't his Aki. In fact, they had a lot of deep passes to AJ. He caught 50% of it. He didn't communicate to either. He didn't know what was going Andre, on. He was never communicated to. That, that may be a problem. Himself. Get him the ball. He Get him the ball. the ball. He, never he wasn't targeted. How could he do anything when he wasn't even being targeted in some games? Yeah, how many hey, games hey. did he go when he didn't even receive it? Like we had, we had a, I did, I we saw the TJ the on this show, and he was like, they didn't even get him involved. Yeah, early I'm talking, in the, game. the funniest thing to me is y'all talking about Panay Sewell, like he was in some offense that didn't just – they only threw 400 times the last time y'all saw him. And y'all don't even have that many reps on him, but y'all automatically just assume he won the Outland Trophy, right? At twenty years old, on an RPO offense that doesn't that's quick screening people to death. Like it's well, not well, what people don't even believe that Jamar Chase was the best receiver coming out. He was the best. Yeah, he was the best receiver on the team with Justin Jefferson, and Justin Jefferson well, could have well, been rookie of the year. Yeah, you, I, I don't disagree with that. That's why he he sat out the year. I'm with you, but is he the best receiver in this draft? They act like Devontae Smith isn't there. He don't exist. Jalen Waddle don't exist either. The best offensive lineman in this draft. You might hear Slater. You might hear that's it. it. That's it. And Slater. So this is going to sound crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm on Team Chase here. But, like, and, and Coach, you, you said this a few times. I knew you was going to do this. Finding the right guy. <laughs> I think Devontae Smith's the best receiver in this draft. I think so, too. Thank you. Thank you. I just don't think he's the right guy for the Bengals. Thank you. I, I just think, I think just is, because he's 170 pounds, he he's not the what, best. Okay. It goes back to TJ said. If they don't have anybody that can touch the field with that kind of speed, it's a whole different ball game. It's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. That guy is different. He's different. Mm. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, that's, that, that's what I, I look at. I mean, I, I think – we're kind of we're kind of getting against the fact that both of these guys are are incredible, and right. and, and, and I think to again coming coming to right. you know from the, from the other angle and and, and speaking of what, what Chase said about or uh, me, I'm, I'm looking at your nickname on there, Zim. Uh, <laughs> what what Zim said about uh, you know having an elite unit of receivers by adding him, I think you put Penne and Jonah together. You might have the, the the two best young tackles in the league. Like, they're, and they're both freak athletes too. Yeah, like um, Chris and and Miles Garrett. We've talked a lot about 
We talked a lot about, and, and, and by the way, I'm still Team Shea, so they haven't turned me. But I'm just saying, like, like there are two sides of this debate. That, that you look at, we talked a lot about Cleveland. Bye, Zim. <laughs> Bye, Zim. This is how I felt when Willie turned on Flip. This is how it feels. You got, you got yeah. TJ, you got TJ Watt lining up on your right side. You need a really good Ooh. right tackle. And, and, I mean, that's, that's what they should do with Penny because they should leave Jonah alone. Like, so – you can you can argue that from both sides is all I'm trying to say. But hey, why are the Ravens all, why are the Baltimore Ravens the always good? Why are the Ravens always good? They always have a good offensive line. They got they three have good, good corners too. Three great corners. Offensively, they run the ball on everybody before Lamar and after Lamar because their offensive line is good. There was name a receiver that they have. They drafted so many of Travis Taylor, all these different guys. And that's why they won't win a Super Bowl. But they've been trying to get they've been trying to have weapons to this offseason. We the big ones, bro. We just trying to get to the playoffs. <laughs> get to the playoffs and let's worry about that after. You got a player like <laughs> you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow. To at least this point earlier, she had mentioned Frank Pollock, and I do think with the with, with the, again, I, I don't think anybody on here thinks that the Bengals did enough in the offseason to address the offensive line. Luckily, though, with the way the value in this draft, you're going to get some good offensive linemen at pick 38 and 69. Now, maybe you double dip and you take Sewell first, but you still leave your team with a massive hole at an incredibly important position. One thing I will say this about Chase, with his physical nature of play, TJ, I've mentioned this many times already, he plays the game like you play, with that chip on his shoulder, he plays like a defensive player. Uh, and Andre, that, I like the way, that, Andre, I like the way you throw that in there. You know, let me let me tell you why I'm trying to make the last point. point. Because yeah, that the boy way was the, really good. He was the best that way he did. But look at here. Shine those shoes. Shine those shoes for terrible towel, TJ. TJ. That, made, that was my favorite highlight. Chase is not TJ. <laughs> Chase ain't TJ. I'm just telling you, Chase ain't TJ. You can forget that one. It needs to be in the Bengals' ring of honor. TJ, you need to be in there. But Jamar Chase is at is an elite prospect. Let me add, the point I'm trying to make with Jamar is with the way the game is played. And coach, you know this. You, you were a wide receivers coach. Just you FYI, get, my phone for some reason I'm at six percent. So if it hangs up, just FYI. Last point. I, so I appreciate your time already, man. I appreciate you. Can I just make the last point about? I haven't made the point yet. The way Jamar Chase plays the game, with the way games are officiated. A little hand check, a little defensive holding, a little legal contact is a five-yard penalty, and it's an automatic first down. You know how many times Jamar Chase is going to extend drives by just drawing defense? But, Andre, I respect what you're saying, but that's going to be different for him when he comes in this week. He's going to have he's to He's shown it. That's not going to be He's shown it against SEC different. competition, Coach. He's that's already shown it. He, he abused A.J. Terrell. Go watch the championship game. A.J. Terrell is going to be a good corner. He already abused him. He was two years younger. I think – We've that's got, not Marlon Humphrey, though. And that's not we, that's not elite corners that are Marlon in the Humphrey's league. A Bama that's, not Jaylen Ramsey. that's not Jalen Ramsey. I think we've come to a good closing point in the whole in this whole ordeal, I think. I feel like we both like the players. I think Hugh is kind of discounting my man Chase a lot. Uh, but I do think we all agree that we do like Penesu and we do like Jamar Chase. Right. It's just people, you know, some people want to get – you know, offensive line fixed earlier. Whereas I think I'm so, team. No, it's a necessity. I'm going to say this, Zim, and I'm going to leave it alone. Some people want Joe okay. Burrow standing, and some people want Joe Burrow on his back. That's what I want. Just keep it real. Listen, listen. All right, well, let me ask you this. What do you think, knowing what you know about the Bengals, Elise, and I want to go through everybody on here, knowing what you know, starting with Elise, who do you think the Bengals actually draft? Um, on draft night. I think I'm going to be disappointed they're going to take Jamar Chase. No, you're going but to cheer you know with what? I promise you. know you. what? Marvin Lewis said this a million times. Don't worry about what you can't control. So I'm not going to worry about it anymore. <laughs> Just not going to worry about it. They're not going to do what I want them to do. So, Coach Jackson, Next. Who, who do you, what, what direction do you think that they'll go in? Jamar Chase. Okay, Matt, what direction? I think it's going to be Chase, too. Andre, they brought in Reef. They didn't bring in any receivers. You know what I mean? Right. To Matt's point, and bear with me, I'm an attorney, so I bill by the hour. So I'm going to talk a little bit here. But it's going to be. You got to close it out. We're already over on time. You got it. Like like my brother, you got to tell them who they're going to pick. It's going to be Chase because the only only play that they made in the offseason for a receiver was the offer to Kenny Galladay. But Kenny Galladay, by all accounts, approached them. They've totally ignored that position. They need an outlaw. They should. 
when and Coach Taylor started, he had Damian Willis because AJ got hurt in training camp in 2019. Damian Willis started the opener in 2019. You go from Damian Willis, you say, Coach Taylor, here's your Jamar Chase, your job may be on the line. Get yourself an elite receiving option. Go get your fix your offensive line in the later rounds where the value is. It's going to be Jamar Chase and welcome aboard. One thing, I, last thing, thank you, Oz, for having me. <laughs> I do regret some. I, I do perceive this notion that some people on Team Chase will say, if they draft Jamar Chase, I'm going to be disappointed. If I'm clearly on Team Chase, I think he's the best player. I think he's the better prospect. I think, frankly, he's a better prospect, in my opinion, than Penny Sewell. But regardless of that, if they end up taking Penny Sewell, I'm going to be ecstatic because Penny Sewell is an elite Me. prospect. You can't go wrong. So I just want to see some love for Jamar Chase. Like the, the same Chase way. Yeah, I want. I want to see them in Vegas too. Evan, what, Evan, what would you like to? What would you? Or what direction do you think the Bengals will go? I see them going with Chase. Okay. And and based off of not 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 any numbers or anything like that, can you just tell me briefly, without going to any numbers or whatever, just tell me why do you think that Jamar Chase could work on this offense based on the draft pool that is there in the second, third round that is not a big drop off like Coach Jackson is trying to make it and everybody believes him too because it's Coach Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, all right, so PFF has 10 tackles listed inside the top 50 of their big board. So even if we assume that seven or eight of them go off the board by the time they come back around, you're still looking at guys with top 50 grades there. And uh, though I say, yes, you want a first-round talent of offensive line, this is a deep class. So you're getting offensive talent of a first-round caliber in another year in the second round. People get too caught up in where a team picks someone as opposed to what their talent level is. And I actually looked, and in the last five seasons, now we're dealing with a small sample, the top 10 tackles in the last five seasons, it, it's not as much as you as much as you would think in terms of the, the top guy from that draft was was the best or uh, constantly was was so good. I think there were 28 total tackles in the last five seasons that ranked inside the top 10 at some point, and only four of them were chosen first. Four out of 28. So as sure as everyone was before the draft going, this is the best tackle. Luke mm -hmm. Jokel, Eric Fisher, these guys right. are the best. They're can't miss. They're so great. Right. There's only four of the guys in the last that were the first overall tackle taken. Now, there are more than half of them in the first round. Again, it goes back. You want a first round talent. You don't need the top guy because you're not sure or as certain as we pretend to be about Penny Sewell because he's an exceptional prospect, exceptional PFF loves him. But we can't just sit here and be so certain and say that there's not a 40 to 50 percent chance that these guys end up busting. It's just the reality of the situation. And I think like the uh, Matt, oh, with, oh, with, okay. with Riley, but, uh, but that was Riley but, Reed, adding uh, okay. re-signing uh, uh, Quentin Spain and then counting on a healthy Xavier Sofilo. They've left a wide receiver sized hole on their roster right now. And it just makes sense for them to go that way based on how they've done this. And the last thing I'll add, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted earlier today that he was talking with a D-line coach and the takeaway that they had for talking about offensive line was that it's more important that you have average guys as opposed to having really bad holes at certain positions and one good guy. You're going to game plan to attack their weak point on their offensive line. You want to be average at all positions. That gives you the best chance to have a successful line. The O-line unit is valuable. A specific O lineman is right. less valuable, and we're not combating that. We're not combating that. But when you right. have Riley Reef and Jonah, that's supporting what you're saying. You're adding Panay Sewell to make an average line. Well, I don't think we're going to be. You're talking about putting him at a guard spot where you can get a guard, right? For, for the third or fourth round, like a Ben Cleveland, or when you're looking at right tackles, right. the top ten cap hit of a right tackle in free agency. Is right, an average of eleven million dollars. But it's we're thinking about the entire NFL when we look at those numbers. What about the Bengals in the first round compared to the Bengals in the second round and the linemen that they've drafted? Not all thirty-two teams, because well, fair, from second to the to the later round, they haven't been good at hitting on those linemen. You also introduce a positional learning curve if you start Sewell out of guard. You know, John Ogden did that back in '96, but there's in addition to the rookie learning curve. Now you're going to add a positional learning curve to Penny Sewell at guard. You know, you want it. You want an immediate impact, no question. And that's Jamar Chase. I love Penny Soul too, but it's just Jamar Chase. 
All right. It's it, either either way it goes, like like Zim was saying, I still think even though obviously I'm in the trenches with with Penesul, right. I do think that they will take Jamar Chase. I'm not gonna sit here and say that they're and, not gonna and, do that. And our and our good friend Malik Wright reported yesterday and he and he had a, a special announcement yesterday. If you guys don't follow him, check him out. That's our boy. Um he made a special announcement that he says that the Bengals, he's ninety five percent sure that they're selecting Jamar Chase. So if you guys hadn't heard that before, that's something that you should definitely check out. I thank everybody for coming on the roundtable tonight for Civil thank War you. Part 2. We went through a lot of different difficulties and we navigated through the storm. And here we are. We got new uniforms coming on Monday. We got Hugh Jackson with a brand new job. We got Matt Minnick killing it really quick. Nobody can be long-winded because we are super, super over on time. Please tell everybody where they can find you, starting with Elise, please. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Elise Jesse TV. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Appreciate I your really, really appreciate it. You, <laughs> yes. Coach Hugh Jackson, where can they find you at? Uh, Hugh, Jackson, uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackson 5, Instagram. Matt Minnick. Coach Minnick spelled like that uh, on uh, on Twitter. Pretty, pretty much everything ends up there. Appreciate it. Andre. At Andre Parada 13. It's been a pleasure joining everybody here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank yeah, you, sir. Great. And Evan. You can find my personal account on Twitter at emcphil and also follow the PFF underscore Bengals account for plenty of good PFF Bengals information and make sure you catch yourself a PFF subscription. Definitely. And Zam, we have to end this with a yes. Sersky! Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.